Welcome to RVR's Life After Camp podcast. Learn about the camp and retreat ministries of RVR at rivervalleyranch.com. Enjoy. Hey, it's Wednesday night. That means that camp is almost over, but it also means that camp has only just begun, all right? So we're going to get into God's Word this evening. If you brought your Bibles, we're going to be in Romans chapter 5. We were in Romans chapter 6 last night. Tonight we're in Romans chapter 5. And if you want to know why, I was not the guy who wrote the script, right? I didn't pick the things, but I think it works so well this way. We're going to be in Romans chapter 5 uh, this evening. Sorry, Romans chapter 6. Goodness gracious, it's been a whole week of camp. The last couple of nights, we have talked about freedom. We defined freedom. Firstly, we defined freedom because it's good to know what we're talking about, right? We defined freedom. We know what freedom is. We know what freedom is according to Christianity, and we know what freedom is according to God, our creator. Freedom, true freedom, real freedom, is when we are able to fully live as we have been created under our creator with no concern for whether or not we're at peace with our creator because we know that we are, right? And we liken that to just like when you've messed up at school or you've messed up in some kind of a sports application, you've, you've messed something up, maybe you didn't run fast enough, maybe your mother specifically told you that that packet of cookies was for guests only and you ate all of them, right? Whatever it is. We know that things are a lot easier and better for us when we are in a good spot with those who are above us in authority. And we talked about how freedom is not only us being able to live exactly how we were designed to live, but to be able to do that while being good with the one who is in charge, and that is God Almighty himself. And then last night, specifically, we talked about how we're slaves to sin. We are how we are shackled to sin. We are tied to sin. The only way that we can get away from sin is if that bondage is some way broken because we're tied to it. And, and we know that this slavery was paid for by Jesus Christ. Tonight, the goal is to discuss the significance of that payment. Because the significance of the payment, I think, lends itself to us giving what was paid for more reverence. Right? Like, I, I, I have things in my life that I've paid for that cost more than other things, and I treat those things with a higher level of reverence. Right? Like, one of the things that I'm really into is pens. I really like a good pen, which sounds ridiculous, but like... I've got pens that I've paid a little bit of money for. Those pens go in a special pocket in my bag. If you hand me a clicky pen from a hotel, I'm probably going to lose it, and I'm not going to care because I didn't pay anything for it. But that pen that, that I, I picked and I, I, I paid for, and I, it's been with me for the past, I have a pen that I've had for five years, and it's really special to me. It was given to me as a gift. This morning, I thought I lost it, and I went to my wife. I'm like, oh my goodness, I think I lost my, my, my pen. And she was like, I'm sure you didn't. You're fine. But it stressed me out. I found it. Don't worry, everyone. We can take a deep breath. But, but knowing what something has been, what it, something has cost us, what something has cost someone, lends us to giving that thing more value. And I don't think 
that there's a way that we can never fully understand the value of the payment for our sin, but I'd like us to discuss it just so that we can get as close as possible. I also want to talk about the significance of the method of this payment, like how this thing was paid for, how our freedom was purchased means so much in the grand scheme of things. And I want to talk about how it applies to us. So often we come into these church-esque environments and we hear the guy up front talking, we listen to the music, and we get to the end of it, and then we, are, we think like, okay, so like, what do I do now? Well, this evening, I, I, I really want, my goal is to answer that question in a poignant way so that you guys know what to do when you go home. You guys know what to do when we're all sitting by the campfire tonight having conversation. You guys know what to do. The first thing that we're going to do is I'm going to read Romans chapter 6, verses 3 and 4. I'm going to read this, and then we're going to pray about it, and then we're going to get tucked into tonight. I am so, I was rereading my notes over dinner this evening, and I am amped for tonight, because I think there's some good truth in here that's going to get us all really excited. You guys ready? Awesome. So we've got Romans chapter 6, verses 3 and 4 up on the screen. Let's get after it. It says this. Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were buried therefore with him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. We might walk in newness of life. Let's go before God in prayer this evening. Lord, above all, God, I, I pray that you would, you would give me your words to speak tonight. God, I pray that you would make this room a room where we are able to hear from you. God, some of us maybe for the first time. God, I pray that you'd make your gospel message abundantly clear. God, work on hearts this evening. Lord, we're trusting you. Your word says that when your word is taught that things happen, God, I pray tonight that there would be students in this room that would come to know you for the first time. Lord, remove all distractions. Take every thought captive. God, empty me of myself. Lord, we, we trust in you for these things. In your name we pray. Amen. Awesome. So the first thing that we need to discuss this evening is the fact that Jesus died. Jesus died. Jesus died. Jesus died. You see, the thing is, is that Jesus was a real human being, right? The scripture says that, and this, and that, 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 that God came to the Virgin Mary and he said, you are going to have a baby boy. And the reason that it had to be a virgin and it had to be Mary, the one that he selected, was because we talked about it last night. When you have two imperfect things, you can't create something perfect. So we know that Jesus did not have an earthly father because of the way that Mary was qualified, right? We know that it had to be God the Father and Mary, right? Because again, two imperfect things can't create something perfect. So if Jesus's biological father was Joseph, then this whole thing would be a complete waste. Because two imperfect things would have created Jesus and therefore he would not be perfect and therefore he would not be qualified to die for our sin. 
You see, the reason that Jesus was qualified was because of his perfection, and we are going to get there. And the thing that I want us all to really understand is, is that Jesus was perfect in all aspects of his life. Jesus was perfect. There's a, there's a story that you can find in the Gospel of John where Jesus walks through the wilderness. And he doesn't eat for 40 days and 40 nights. All right? Some of us, we can't go 40 minutes without snacking on something before we become terrorists to the people around us. Right? My little boy, my little boy didn't get enough protein today. And I, for a moment, thought, maybe we should call the cops. All right? Some of us start to act crazy. Jesus went 40 days and 40 nights without anything. And then at the end of that gauntlet of not eating, he started to be tempted by Satan in ways that would be applicable to Jesus Christ himself. And Jesus denied Satan on all three counts, all three temptations. He said, thanks, but no thanks, because he led a perfect life. There are a lot of people that would say that Jesus was great and Jesus was a prophet, and that's fantastic, but he was still only human. But what my Bible says and what the truth of the matter is, is that yes, Jesus was fully human and had human form and was bound by that, by the humanity that you see in front of you and I see in front of me, but he was fully God because he was a part of God. He is the son of God. Jesus died as fully God and fully man. And as he was fully God and fully man, he fully died. He completely died. His heart stopped beating. His lungs stopped filling with air. The cells in his body stopped their metabolic processes. Like his body was lifeless. He was pierced with a sword and there was separation of water and blood, which is a part of the decomposition process. He was buried and then a tomb was sealed. And you're like, wow, Tim, you're really intense about this death thing. Yes, it's so important. Every step of the redemption process of humanity is important. It's almost like it's a recipe where if you mess one part up, you get something unedible or unusable. With a cake, you put in a little bit too much sugar, not quite enough cocoa, and it's still an edible dessert that someone might actually prefer because they're like a sugar nut. But if you mess up this redemption process of humanity, then like we're all not good and could be in a good place. So Jesus died. He fully died. And the reason he was able to die for us was because he was qualified to do so because of his perfection. You see, we talked about it in Hebrews chapter 10, verses 1 through 4. Those sacrifices that were being offered were, were, were imperfect things, right? Because creation was ruined because of what? Sin, right? So we're, we're, we're sacrificing parts of creation that are no longer perfect because of sin, and it can't fully take away our sin. It can't fully heal our hearts. It can't fully bring us back to the Lord. 
We needed something better. We needed something perfect. And it was Jesus that we needed and Jesus that came. And here's the deal. Jesus died and and it had to be death. It had to be death. You see, for the longest time in my Christian walk, I never could really fully wrap my head around the fact where like Jesus had to die. For the longest time, I would sit and I would ponder these things and, and I would wonder like, why did Jesus, like, what is the deal here? And I would think like, well, if God is, is, is God, and if God created everything and if God is so powerful, why can't he just, why can't he just delete sin? Like, I have this file on my computer and I don't want it there anymore. So you know what I'll do? I'll delete it. Why can't God just do that with sin? But the fact of the matter is, is that when we sinned, we created a problem that had to be dealt with. When we sinned, we put the mark of sin on everything that was created. And the only way to get rid of that mark of sin is to completely delete everything, to completely start over or something could come and be ended in its place. You see, there were two options. God could have completely destroyed humanity and the world and the universe and everything and started over, or he could have something die in its place. Because you see, everything that has sinned has to die. Everything that has sinned is cursed to die. The Bible says that the wages of sin is death which means that when you work for your sin, what you are paid as a result of the sin you have worked for is death. And we're slaves to that. So it had to be death and it had to be Jesus. It had to be a perfect sacrifice. It had to be a blemish-free, perfect thing offered up in our place and it had to be death. It couldn't be Um, just the flogging that took place before his death, it had to be total 100%, no longer breathing, no longer heart beating death. And and here's, here's the best bit. This is the best part. Jesus didn't stay dead. Jesus didn't stay dead. Like, look, Jesus was dead for three days, but then eventually on the third day, he rose again. After three days, Jesus came back to life. And you know what's crazy about this? There are eyewitness accounts of this event, of Jesus coming back to life. Jesus went and presented himself as a living creature, a living human, both fully God and fully man, living to other people. Isn't that nuts? Like, things don't come back from the dead. And in fact, if we were to experience that here in this life, we would, like, go commit ourselves to the loony bin because we thought we had lost it. But Jesus went and he presented himself, and then there's this beautiful story in the Gospels of Jesus presenting himself back to the disciples. And even Thomas, who had a doubt problem, went up to Jesus, and he felt the wounds in Jesus' hands and his feet, And he's like, oh my goodness, it is you, Lord. Jesus didn't stay dead. He rose again. 
Because you see, dying for us, like anyone can die for somebody else. That's not hard. In the grand scheme of things, it's, it's actually common. Like it happens all the time. Watch any of the war movies that your dad thinks are just the greatest. And, and, and someone dying for somebody else will happen. I mean, it happened in like almost every single one of the Marvel movies that we've had to watch over the last 10 years. People die for people. It's a part of like the, the human story. The ideal is to die for a friend. Anybody can do that. I mean, yeah, it would be hard and yeah, it's a big sacrifice, but anybody can do that. People sign up to do that every day. But to die for somebody and then to rise again, that is something else entirely. You see, when Jesus died, he paid for our sin, right? Which is awesome. And and we needed that. But then when he rose again, he showed us and he did functionally defeat death. You see, death had this grip hold on us where when we were dead, we stayed dead spiritually and physically. But when Jesus died that physical death, right, and then defeated it by rising again on the third day, we now have access to eternal life because death has been defeated. Scripture doesn't say what Jesus did when he was dead for three days. It doesn't say what mechanism took place spiritually. It doesn't say what battle Jesus fought against, like evil and the grave itself. It doesn't say any of that. But but what it does is it shows us that by him rising again on the third day, death was defeated. It's done for. My grandfather passed a couple of months ago, and he loved Jesus. And it was super stressful for me because he was living in Texas, and they had all kinds of tubes coming out of his throat and everything, and I really couldn't talk to him on the phone. And, 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 and I didn't really have, like, my grandmother, love her to death. She's not the one to call to talk to Pop-Pop. Like, that's just, like, she's got, she's crazy, he's crazy. They love each other, but, like, it was just nuts. She'd end up talking to you on the phone for 20 minutes and forget why you'd called and then hang up on you. It was hilarious. So I was stressed because I didn't know how to talk to him. And, and uh, man, I just wanted to talk to him one final time because I knew, like, he was really unhealthy, and I, and I knew that this was, was going to be the end. And, and and so I finally got a hold of my uncle who lives near him, and he was in the hospital room sitting by his dad, my uncle, his dad, you know, pop-pop to me. And, and, and I called, and I'm like, hey, Uncle Joe, I really, I just, I just really need to speak to my grandfather. And, and oh, my goodness, it was so cool. He put me on speaker. And I was like, hey, Pop-Pop, I know you got a lot going on, and I know there's like a bunch of people in the room, but I love you so much. And then he like, like, like somehow figured out how to talk past the, the tube in his mouth, and he was like, I love you too, bud. And it was so cool. And then when he finally did pass, it was really hard. I'm like, oh, man, like he's gone. Like that's it. That's how it felt. But I knew he loved Jesus, and I know he's going to be in heaven. Like, you know these things. But then, man, my dad said something so profound when he got back. He flew down there. He, he, he got to the hospital room to hold his dad's hand for a couple minutes before he passed. It was such a, so, so cool that God worked that out. He came back, and I'm talking to my dad about it. And he's like, you know, Tim, I never really fully got this until I saw my dad pass. But death truly has no power. Death truly has no power because Jesus died for us so that death would not 
have any power. Guys, by doing this thing, by dying for us, by doing this thing, Jesus created a forum for us to have victory over sin, death, and the grave through him. When you go back to the text, it says it very, very, very clearly. It says that we were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death. When we accept Christ, we are buried into death with him. And then just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. So Jesus created this process where he died and then rose again, defeating death, so that we could come after him. And by accepting him in faith, we too will die and then walk forward in newness of life. When I get the privilege of baptizing someone, I say, buried with him in the likeness of his death. And then they get dunked, right? Because that's the kind of church I go to. And then they, and then I say, and walking again in newness of life, and I bring them back up out. And that whole thing is symbolism. You are dead to your old self, and you get a whole new self to walk with Jesus in. Because death has been totally defeated. Guys, when you accept Christ, you are changed. When you accept Christ, you are changed. It's completely new. You see, the cost that Jesus paid for you was so great, that, and it was so high, that it's not just you get a different life, you get a whole brand new one. Guys, if I walked up to the Jeep dealership, and I had 100 grand in my pocket, and I slapped it down, and they pulled out some janky 1999 Wrangler covered in rust, I would be, I'd be furious. No, when I walk up with a hundred grand in my pocket, I want that like like baby blue Grand Wagoneer with the chrome and the seats that make you hot and cold at the same time, right? Like you know what I'm talking about. Jesus paid so high a price for you, he doesn't expect you to continue to live like you, but with Jesus. He expects and sees and has offered an opportunity for you to live a completely new life when you accept Jesus, when you accept Christ, you are changed. It says it right here, chapter 6, verse 3, do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Jesus were baptized into his death? Every single one of us, when we accept Christ, we are changed. When we accept Christ, we die to sin. Some of you haven't accepted Christ yet. Maybe you might tonight. That'd be awesome. Maybe you might tomorrow or next year. I don't know. But when you do so, you die to sin. Sin has no hold on you anymore. The thing that you're like, but Tim, I can't give this up. I don't want to give this up. I don't know how to give this up. It has no hold on you anymore. I've seen it in my own life. There are things that I've had to bring to the foot of the cross that Jesus has taken from me. Do I still have to daily say no to that thing? Yes, but I'm given the option to, whereas before I didn't have the option to, I had to say yes. We're completely died to sin. We have died to that sin. Sin has no hold. We have the power and the opportunity to say no. And there's, there's, some, there's, there's some symbolics here. Being dead to something means it's not something that you have to handle. When it's dead, it's gone. When it's dead, it's gone. 
And the cool thing is, is that we don't stay floundering afraid of our sin. We don't stay floundering afraid of our past. No, we don't operate that way. We are raised to have newness of life. RVR, week nine, hear me when I say this. Life with Christ is life more abundant. Verses six, seven, and eight. It's incredible. It says, we know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing or in order that our sin might be brought to nothing so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin, no longer enslaved to habits, no longer enslaved to hangups. For the one who has died has been set free from sin. Now, if we have died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. Guys, we have died to sin. Check, that thing that has a hold on you, gone, done, sold up the river, buried. We've been set free from it. Not only has it been buried so that we don't have to deal with it anymore, we can say no to it now. Do you know how powerful that is? To be able to say no to something that you used to not be able to survive without? And then we get to live with Christ And you know what's crazy is that when we live with Christ, we become more and more like him. We become more and more like him by spending time with him, getting into his word, praying. We get to become more and more like him by worshiping him, both song and here and making. Guys, me, me sharing the gospel with you like this, this is a part of my worship. The other night, man, I was getting down and, and, and like my life's been so busy. So it's been really hard for me to get excited about camp as much as I normally am and and like I sat down at the cool desk that they have in the, in, the, in the Heritage Lodge and I opened my Bible and I opened my iPad and I opened my notebook. I have a lot of things to open when I study and I opened everything and I was like, man, God, I want to add a boy from you tonight. I want this to be for you tonight. This is a part of worship. We worship God with what we do. We worship Jesus with what we do and we become more like him and we worship him. And we become more like him by spending time with others who love Jesus. Guys, your counselors, I've got to speak to a lot of them this week. They all are desperate for Jesus. That's why they work here. Want to become more like Jesus? Spend some more time with your counselor. Yeah, they're a mess, right? And they will tell you that. And I've talked to them and they're like, yeah, look, every single one in here that loves Jesus. I talked to one guy today. He was like, yeah, I'm a disaster, right? Like, I I love that. I live there. But Jesus, right? But Jesus, If you're still on the fence as to whether or not you think this Jesus thing is for you, I know full well that I'm not going to be able to convince you. And I know full well that that's not even my job. I I believe it's the Holy Spirit's job, right? And I know full well that some of us have hangups with this religion thing because of our past experience. I get it. I get it. I get all of it. But guys, I want to tell you some truth that I found in scripture that I believe 100% from the bottom of my heart. When we freely relate with our designer, we can live as we're designed. When we freely relate with our designer, we are able to freely relate with how we are designed. You see, guys, when I was was going through my, like, just my life before I really devoted my life to, to, to living for Christ, 
I didn't really know what I wanted to do and I really didn't know how I wanted to get there, but I know that I grew up and my parents had to say no to a lot of things because money was tight and all I wanted to do was literally make as much money as possible. And I didn't care what I had to do to get there. I just wanted to make folding money, right? Like I wanted a lot of money and I wanted a lot of things. And I wasn't freely relating with my designers, so I wasn't really living the way that I was created to live. And I was working this job at a bank that caused me just so much grief and anxiety. I was having these panic attacks and calling my wife and telling her that like, hey, I'm pretty sure that the world is rotating sideways. And she's like, no, you're just having a panic attack. There was one time I went out to the parking lot to try to get some fresh air in the neighborhood behind the bank building. The ice cream truck was driving through so I could hear the creepy ice cream truck music, but I couldn't see the ice cream truck. I thought I had completely lost my mind. I was on the phone with Liz, and I'm like, please, Liz, please promise me you can hear that ice cream truck, and I'm not losing my mind. And I think she lied to me and told me she could hear it too. But it caused me so much anxiety because I was not doing what I was designed to do. And I wasn't able to fully do what I was designed to do because I was not freely relating with my designer. If your iPhone isn't able to connect to Apple servers for an update, it eventually will become useless. If your Android smartphone cannot download an update from Google, it will eventually become useless. If you are not plugged into your designer, you will not be able to do what you have been designed to do to the fullest extent. And the only way we can do that is when we freely relate with him. And the only way we can freely relate with him, and by him I mean God, is if we accept Christ. If we accept Christ. 2 Corinthians 3, 16 through 19 says this. But when one turns to the Lord and the veil is removed, now the Lord is the spirit and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we all with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord are being transformed into the image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes with the, for, from the Lord who is the spirit. When we accept Christ in that veil or that thing that's covering our eyes so that we can't see what we were designed to do and who we were designed to be, when that is removed and we see the full glory of the Lord, we are then being transformed into the same image of him. We are being moved to be like him. We become more like him every day through that process of sanctification. And we're able to live totally free. Because we're able to live totally free because we're able to freely relate with our creator. Freely relate with our creator. Guys, it's easy to feel trapped by this world. You've got to please a lot of people. You've got to do a lot of things. You have to acquire a lot of stuff. You have to make sure that you're on the basketball team and the track team and you've got to make sure you're getting scholarships, and you've got to make sure your grades are good, and fill in the blanks. And it can be very easy to feel trapped by this world. But RVR, week nine, if you turn to the Lord, you will experience ultimate freedom. Turn to the Lord and experience ultimate freedom.
I promise you, I promise you, the moment you surrender your, your heart and you say, okay, God, like, I believe that you died for my sins. I believe that you um, rose again on the third day. Like, it's hard for me to wrap my head around that maybe, but I'm choosing in my heart to believe that that happened. And I want to love you, Lord, and I want to know you more, Lord. The moment, the moment that your heart surrenders to that, you confess that with your mouth and you are saved you begin this amazing process of becoming more like him. And because you are able to freely relate with your creator, he starts to show you some really cool things. He starts to show you what you were designed for. He starts to put you in situations where you can do that which you were designed to do. Might not be flashy, but oh my goodness, it is exactly where you belong. It might not be exciting all the time, right? Like me doing diaper laundry is not exciting, but you know what? As I'm like opening that disaster and like trying to separate it, to wash it without touching it because it's gross, I am full of joy because I know that God has designed me to be the husband of my wife and has designed me to be the father of my son and that we as a couple have decided to try to save money with using reusable diapers and that whole thing is joyous to me as gross as it is because that's what I'm designed to do. You want to experience true freedom. Turn to the Lord because Jesus is faithful to transform you. Let's pray. God, thank you for who you are and how much you love us. Lord, I pray this. I pray that your will be done. God, I pray that your Holy Spirit would begin to move in hearts as it has been all week. God, I pray that, that we would be able to see the victories won on this battlefield of, 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 of salvation here at camp this week. God, I, I pray that you would um, encourage us. God, that for the leaders, God, I pray that and this is nine weeks of camp, God, we're all exhausted. I pray that you would give them extra strength tonight. And God, I pray that the time that we have around the campfire tonight would be fruitful and that we would come to know you a little bit better. Lord, we love you. We need you. In your name we pray. Amen. Thanks, guys. We hope you enjoyed listening to this Live After Camp episode. Discover all of the year-round adventures at RVR and find out how you can support our ministry at rivervalleyranch.com. Thanks.